0: Welcome back to the Ellis Aggressive Podcast. I'm Corey Palm alongside Tanner Lipsett and Head Coach Tony Ursuline. Guys, we've got uh, a duel to talk about, a, a good victory at Michigan State. We've got uh, uh, the final home duel of the season to talk about later on the R- show. When It's rivalry week. When when IU comes down, yeah, we're going to spend some time on rivalry. Well, uh, whether it's a rivalry at this point is, is up for discussion. We'll, we'll talk about that, too. Uh, first. What's kind of taken the entire wrestling world by by storm this week has been uh, the conversation surrounding last week's announcement of uh, of NCAA bid allocations to conferences coaches rankings came out as well the first set of those we'll get to those too. But let's talk about uh, allocations coach uh, I know, like, like I said, there's been a ton of discussion about that let's go ahead and, and add to the uh, cacophony of sound on this topic. Uh, what, what are initial thoughts when those uh, were released? What was that word you just used? Cacophony. <laughs> Pretty sure that's how you say it. Man.
1: Tanner's word, running for the dictionary. Word of the day.
2: <laughs> word of the day. Corey yeah, certainly.
1: A certainly a lot of movement last week. You know, that came out, what, I think it was Thursday. We were actually on the bus on our way up to Michigan State when they released both the rankings uh, first uh, set of coaches rankings, and then the, uh, the, uh, you know, allocated spots per conference. And that was based on his historical data. As we've discussed before, they went back for the last five years and um, you know, use the average there to come up with the numbers. And then they did it by per weight, as well as the total number, obviously per conference that caused a lot of, uh, a lot of debate, a lot of discussion. I know many coaches aren't happy, um, and obviously in the big 10, we felt, you know, we feel similarly, you know, that we were, we were shorted in terms of numbers. What I will say is, um, you know, the NCAA did leave extra um, wildcards this year in the past. We've had three or four. Now times you have six or seven. So they do, still do have flexibility to kind of reward certain conferences that are deeper in that weight per se um, more but it still looks like they're coming up short right now and and we would potentially be leaving a lot of really good kids at home. Uh, What I mean by that one situation I'll point out, and this certainly is not um, EIWA's fault, okay? I'm not going to lay blame on anybody, but we're going to talk about this being a situation that um, has caused uh, some people to be upset, is you have the EIWA, which is the home for the Ivies, right? That's their qualifier. Now, none of the Ivies, all six uh, Ivy schools that, that sponsor wrestling have decided not to compete, okay? And so the, that conference retained all of their spots, even though they have six schools not competing. So on the face of it, when we first were talking, you know, and, and what this year would be with a lot of conference-only competition, you know, um, not as much, you know, um, opportunity to see people and just wrestle as much, we thought historical data, I think, was was a, was a viable solution. But now there, there's no allowances for changes that have taken place over the last five years. And the EIWA, uh, most notably, is those six schools not competing. So, for instance, you look, those six schools aren't competing, so they have six fewer teams in the tournament. However, they have more spots this year than they did last year using data. So, so obviously, that looks a, a little off, right? That, that, that doesn't pass the eye test. So um, you have a situation like that, and then where we talk about getting the right kids to nationals, I'll use uh, 133 in the Big 12, for instance, okay? Crazy. We have 11 kids currently ranked in the top, um, I think it's top tw- uh, 20. That's, I think you're right. I think it's the top, top 30, but 11 out of the 12 kids are highly ranked kids, yet they only have, I think it's maybe five spots, four spots. Four auto- spots. Okay, four spots. And then consider this. There's only six wild cards at the weight. So you either give every kid um, at the big 12 a wild card and you're still short around the country with deserving kids. Right. Um, And I know Dayton Fix just made his appearance. So he's not included in that coach's rank. So next ranking period, as long as he has enough matches, all 12 kids should be should be in that top 20 or 30 at worst okay and so that's the situations we're looking at i could even use 184 um, at in the big 10 you know with how many good kids that we have you know we have i think it's at least 10 10 of our kids are very highly ranked kids and we're gonna you know leave a few of those kids behind as well possibly so those are the situations that coaches are looking at and trying to find you know equity if we can have it um everybody understands this is an extraordinary year and we hope it's a one-off, but I think overwhelmingly the concern still is we have some kids who won't come back next year, right? This will be their opportunity. Um, And as long as, you know, they don't have COVID cut short their season or anything like that, they deserve the best opportunity to be there. So it becomes about getting the right kids or the best kids uh, you know, the most deserving kids to, to the NCAA tournament. And, and that's the problem. Um, I'd like to tell you, it could be as simple as, Hey, can we just take those qualifying spots from the EIWA or, or any team for that matter, right. That doesn't participate in their conference tournament and put them in the wild card pool to have more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know things aren't always so simple. The NCAA is going to have a lot to consider, um, you know, because they've already released these qualifiers so I don't know how comfortable they would be going back and putting more in the wild card pool or kind of revisiting their position. I don't know if that's viable or not. We've not spoken to, the, you know, those people. So I, I, you know, these are just my opinions on it and uh, we'll have to wait and see if this gains any traction or any ground where they could revisit it. You know, it's interesting, Tony, you talk about,
2: you know, the goal is, and this is the goal every year. The goal is getting the best 33 kids at every weight class to the national tournament for a chance to compete for a national title. Um, you know, it is our, it's the crown jewel of the sport. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's got the best viewership. It's got some of the best moments. Um, you know, it's, it's an incredible event. So trying to get the best kids there to create the best possible matches and situation for everybody is always the goal. Um, with, with that being said, uh, you know, this is, like you said, this is a, it's a crazy year you know, and, and, uh, and you've said this before that, um, you know, with the next, with it being a year of extraordinary circumstances, we may need to go to extraordinary measures to, to get this figured out and to, and to do this. And, and with that being said, you know, what, you know, what is the right outcome? Like, what is a, what is a possible solution in your mind to, to, to redrawing this? Is it a matter of taking spots from one conference to another? Like, how would you,
1: I mean, I ha- I know I have ideas, but I'm curious as to what you think yeah. would be a viable option. Yeah, no, I think um, I think giving yourself more flexibility in this year is is absolutely key, and that would be you know um, removing um, those spots where maybe teams are light, or if teams don't participate, taking those and putting all of those in the wild card pool. Okay, and I'll mention that this is not. Uh, a novel concept either in the past now we've been going using you know data right during the current year rpi win percentage and coaches rank that's how uh, kids qualified the weight class for their conference however if we went into a conference championship and let's just say purdue had a, a young man who had qualified the weight and that had been one of the spots for the big 10 however he then became sick ill injured whatever could not compete and he wasn't at the conference tournament that spot isn't retained by the Big Ten. That spot goes now into the wildcard pool. So in my mind, you know, I think it is viable to take those spots and put them in the wildcard pool. So now you have the flexibility to really see how things develop, okay? It it is very early. I mean, I know we're coming up on Big Tens here in March 6th, 7th, but it is still early enough where we have time to wait and see how things really develop. So in my mind, let's have more more spots allocated, um, not allocated, sorry, in that wildcard pool where you can award them as necessary. You know what I mean? And you have the the, the utmost flexibility. The other thing I think is key as we were looking at it, and I haven't uh, addressed this yet, but um, the criteria that they're gonna use to satisfy people who are eligible for at-large bids is fairly strict. If you look at it, and and I won't go through all of it right now, but if people would go and read through it, There's only a handful of guys that actually meet that criteria right now out of everybody because of the limited competition. Usually it's you've got to have wrestled a a qualifier. you got to have a 70% win percentage. you got to, you know, there's all of those things in there. Well, listen, having a 70% win percentage, at least maybe in the Big Ten this year, could be really tough if you're only wrestling a handful of matches. Brutal you're three and one or two and one, you know, let's say you're not going to, you could be a really good kid, a top eight kid, have a bad weekend. You're not even eligible possibly, right. For a wild card. So. Use Max, use
2: use Max Lyon, for example, Tony. I said, use Max Lyon, for example, Max Lyon is three and four on the season. His his seven matches are all against guys who are ranked in the top 20 in the country at 184 pounds. And he has three wins over guys who were ranked in the top 10 in the country at the time and are still all ranked inside the top 15.
1: Right. Um, but, but he's got a three and four record. Right. Yep. And that's why we, we say you need flexibility. Like um, somebody like Max, let's say, you know, you use him. He may not meet the criteria. You know what I mean? He, now, if now all three of his wins would have had not to have made. Right. Um, but right now they say you have to have two of the three. I think a, a, a common sense thing or a more flexible deal is just say one, you got to meet one of the criteria in such a limited shortened season. I think you have to give yourself the utmost flexibility. Okay. And so those are the kind of issues that are, that are out there. And, and I will tell you, I only foresee this problem getting worse I mentioned uh, Dayton Fix coming out right for Oklahoma State. Uh, Miles Amin just made his debut right uh, for Michigan, who had been had a different for weight a couple of weeks, and he went up a weight. So this could only happen uh, more and more. Lock Haven just came back, you know, into the mix. So I think we really need to be patient, and see where things go, and have the utmost flexibility. I know I'm uh, repeating myself a lot, but I just see that as being key for this year and rewarding uh, the right people. Um, you know, another another kind of issue I that I
2: thought of when uh, you know I found out how they were allocating the spots was the idea, and it's been less prevalent in wrestling, but it's still an issue. Um, the idea of conference realignments. You know, you have schools that were in one conference three years ago, and the last two years ago, they're you know the yeah. last two years they're in a new conference. So where do their allocations lie? Yeah. Did you yeah. you know? And, and again, I, I'm kind of operating on. I I have more questions than I have answers in regards to the process, but if, uh, you know, a team like you and I, who, uh, you know, they were in the Mac and now they're in the big 12, is that correct? Correct. And so who got, who got credit for you and I's bids? Yep. Or, Or was it just based on the Mac got this many bids in this year and the big 12 got this many bids in this year? Because the reality is, you know, the way I would think that, it would make sense to redraw. This would be instead of, instead of counting qualifiers for the conferences, count qualifiers for the schools that are participating and then draw them into the conferences they're currently in right. Yep, and, and reallocate that solves the Ivy problem that solves the reallocation problem or the, the, the realignment problems as far as, you know, teams that went from the big 12 to the pack 12 or teams that went from the Mac to the, you know, to wherever, um, you know, the SOCON, how, what, whatever these different yep. these different qualifiers are, um, you put yourself in a position where you're dealing with the actual teams who are competing where they are competing now. It's yep. like a cool combination. It's a cool combination of like historical data
1: and like recent setting. Yep. And, you know, listen, I, I know we're talking about how to fix this and it's easy. I appreciate the difficulty the NCAA has here. I want to make that clear. Yeah, yeah 100%. The solution because other problems, what you just brought up, um, you know, you used you and I, for example, let's, let's talk about the EWL, you know, they, they are dissolved. And most of those teams, I believe they're in the Mac now. So the Mac inherited a bunch of teams. So that data over the last five years has looked very different. Okay. So you've got that issue plus, uh, you and I leaving, you know, you've got several teams coming in, one going out, think about, um, why we have the, the problem where we're at in the big 12, where, Okay. Northern Colorado, you you go five years ago and, you know, they weren't bringing the numbers that they are now in terms of qualifiers, right. They, they, you know, coach Nickerson's there doing a good job, right. Developing that program. And so they have exponentially increased. And so, you know, that when you just use just the historical data in theory, and I was one of them, I thought it was a fair solution to it, but maybe how, what we see, it looks like in reality, there has to be some adjustments and I think things have to be revisited. Like I said, but I can appreciate the issues that the NCAA is facing here. Oh, absolutely.
2: They're not going to make everybody happy. No. It, it, no. They can't. It's impossible.
0: And, and, and that's true every year when allocations come out, No you know, in, in normal years too. Yep. No, no doubt. I mean, you know, look at us. We, you know, we're, we're taking
1: seven or eight just about every year anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, a few years ago, that wasn't the case. So you're right. It's that is every year, you know, you can't solve that problem.
0: One thing that I, I do like like I, I and, and coach, you mentioned it a, a few minutes ago that it's different this year, and maybe this is something that does stick around is you know, basically doubling the number of, of at large bids per weight class. Like that sort of seems like, uh, okay, yeah, we understand we're taking to do that, we have to take a few away, a few automatic quality spots away, but it does give flexibility, not just in a COVID year. But in a regular year, too, is that something that maybe sticks around that that they keep the at large pool a little bit deeper?
1: No, I think I think they feel really good. My sense of everything I've heard the last few years is they they like the system that they have and how that data is used. I mean, they tweak like the coaches rank. Right. I think we we often go back where are the coaches objective, you know, should that ranking, you know, be counted less or more? Or do we even have the coaches do it? How should that work? So there's tweaks there, but I really believe they like what they have where it's three or four, um, you know, wild cars available based on the data and who's meeting the criteria okay. it, this year. There's such a limited set of, of, of data to go by that I think you just have to err really big on the number of wild cars and try to balance it out that way. If you can.
0: You. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, you bring up the whole idea of, of should the coaches rank Tony. It was,
2: it, that was a hot topic in the media this week. Um, there are a lot of people calling for a media poll instead of a coaches poll. Um, and they were talking about, you know, who should rank and so on and so forth. Um, I find it interesting. Um, I don't know that I personally find it totally viable um, just because of the, I guess limited number of rankings that are out there right now. Um, I, I feel as though uh, you know. I look at the differences in the rankings that are out there now. You know, we we track we track. I think five different entities as far as our historical data goes for the rankings, and uh, it's amazing to me how week to week how different they can be. Yeah. And how, how they, you know, they all have different systems and they all have different values of, of, of whether that criteria ranks and not to say that coaches aren't any different. I just think that there are with, when, when, when you're talking in regards to the media, um, the fewer the polls there are, the more an outlier can affect that set of data. Sure. Sure you know, and they talk about throwing out the high and the low, but well, at the same time, you still have to have enough people doing it to create a good subset of data that can be usable. And so I'm just not sure there are enough people out there that are devoting the amount of time that it would require to,
1: to make it a viable option. Sure. I I think um, that's, it's been uh, problematic for those same reasons with the coach, right? I mean, um, we worry about the the media or whoever, whatever panel you would put together, you know, being able to to do a good job with it for reasons you just stated. Same thing goes for coaches, right? Are they, are they biased? Do they want to help their own conference out? Do they want to help their own team out? Is it truly objective? You know what I mean? Um, in a year like this, uh, we don't get to see as many people, right? Like we're just in the Big Ten. So, you know, this it's an interesting year where we've got to try to rank you know, we have a weight class that we're responsible for ranking as well here. And, you know, it's, it's tough. You you can look at results, but results don't say everything either. Right. You know, so, uh, and we talked a little bit about that, like Devin, you know, you know, with uh, Barnett, you know, getting side rolled and headlocked or pinned, you know, so how it's a loss on paper, but it's a little deceiving. Right. 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 And you see bigger swings this year because of it, because there is a fewer sample size, you know, (laughs) sample size is smaller. So I think it's problematic. Um, it's something that we'll be talking about long after we get off here, you know, and even, even into the the future years where, you know, we go back to win percentage and RPI and those are pretty reliable, um, in a normal year, given the number of dates of competition and things like that. But I don't know where the solution lies in terms of these rankings. Honestly, it's something I go back and forth with all the time.
2: Yeah. I, I, like you said, I don't, I don't think that there's any hope of, of solving that problem today, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, but, uh, it definitely makes for interesting conversation and, and, uh, it will be interesting to see how the NCAA shakes out their decision over the next, you know, what is it? Today's the, t- the 17th. So they've got like, what, two weeks to figure it out, give or take?
1: Well, and maybe they won't revisit it at all. Maybe the book would be too that deal, you know, only they know,
2: we don't know. So, uh, well, we'll, we'll continue to monitor that and, and keep an eye on it, but, um, you know, the goal is to get to March and get the best kids there. And, and hopefully, hopefully we're able to do that. Um, transition a little bit. Let's, uh, let's look back at the week that it was, uh, 17, number 17, Purdue went up to number 22 Michigan state on Friday and, uh, got a nice little road win to, to, to finish up our regular season road schedule, uh, took six to 10 matches from the Spartans to win 23 to 12. Um, Tony, what were
1: some of your overall thoughts and impressions of the duel? Well, I thought, um, I mean, obviously overall, you go on the road, you get a nice win, solid performance, right? Solid performance. Number of guys looked, looked very good. The guys who won uh, by and large went out and really took control of the match and never gave it back mm-hmm. to their opponent, right? I mean, um, uh, positive for for Jake Rundell, right? I mean, he just, uh, he wore his, he wore his opponent out and, and capitalized, you know, at the end he, he just outlasted him. And I thought he did a nice job keeping the pace high and making it a physical hand fight, you know, kind of a match. So good on him for that, that, that big 10 win, you know, young guy, you know, out there been battling hard for us and, and got a nice win for himself. Um, I thought Parker really did a nice job taking control of the match and never taking his foot off the gas. You know I mean? He wrestled smart, Uh, He had a a young man who was kind of a a Greco background, you know, hooks and wants upper body and, and really wrestled a very smart match in in picking and choosing his attacks. And then did work on top as well. Stayed Mm -hmm. trouble, you know, never got into any real trouble, uh, knew knew how to stay out of trouble and then still get to his stuff. So uh, really thought Parker showed really well. Um, Griffin got back in the lineup, you know, after being out the week before. So nice to see him go out. um, A little bit of a slow match early on. And I would say both him and Kendall maybe were a little slow early on. And and I guess when you saw him score, he came out of that scramble and and put his opponent on his back. That really got him going, where later on, you know, he's on top. He went after the cow catcher and put him on his back again. You know, it kind of really got Griffin going. And and so I'd like to see him maybe kind of wind it up a little sooner in the bout. You know what I mean? Come out uh, like he did the way he finished. Um, because, you know, he really took control of that match after he got got a few points. He felt good about what he was doing, and, and you could just see it, right? Like, he just really took control and finished strong. Uh, Kendall, you know, I thought the best thing for Kendall in that match is he got taken down first, right? You know, there was not much uh, early, maybe a little too much respect. And then, um, you know, he he gave up the first takedown, and he was like, oh, I got to go. man!" I, his sense of urgency went up. And he, and he put the, you know, he put the pedal down and he, he answered right back with a takedown, right. Um, Even the score. And then we get to OT. And then that exchange was really, really impressive. If you look at all the action that took place, you know, in, in that, that clip, I think you had put out, you know, he put two or three things together before he finally got to the single on the other side and cut off the finish. So that's the kind of stuff you want to see him put together a little sooner in the match. All right. He's capable of it. Same with Griffin, but, but they did, they found it and they got it going. And I thought that was important for them. Um, Max Lyon did a, did a nice job. Um, you know, that scramble early, he didn't give up the scramble. There was a couple of times when you really thought, you know, the Michigan state uh, kid was going to, was going to finish. He had the high ground on the scramble and looked looks like he may even catch a cradle and, and Max kept wrestling and, and fighting and, uh, got a stalemate out of it. And, you know, everybody coming out of that was breathing deep, right? Like his opponent was Max was, but then Max was the one who went right back and, and pulled the trigger, got, got on the, on the, the high uh, leg attack, finished big through him and, then and, and put a ride on him. And really that, that was, that was the match. You know, he grabbed right then. That was the moment. And if Max would have stood around or let that kid kind of work back in, You know, who knows how she goes, but Max was the one who took the shot and jumped right back in and, and, and kind of made it go back his way. So I thought that was big. Um, Impressive win for him. Uh, And then obviously uh, at heavyweight, Jamarcus uh, coming through, had the big move, very, very slow match, you know, by and large. Um, But Jamarcus made his, his move from bottom when he put him on his back pay off, right? Like that opened it up. And so, the, you know, for the lack of action now, Michigan state had to come back at us, you know, hard and, and just wasn't able to do it. So, um, you know, he was efficient. I would say the best way to say is he was efficient in his wrestling. That one hold where he put him on his back for two and two, you know, was, was big and it allowed him to control the match from there on out. So, um, where we were short a little bit, I would say it was, um, you know, uh, specifically 65 and 74. I thought we let them hang around a little too much, uh, we needed to carry a little bit more pace or make that match go our way a little bit more. Um, you know, Garrett had opportunities and, and I think he's in three or four times on single legs and, and wasn't able to finish. And then we got caught on the edge where the guy was able to sneak a shot on, you know, you know, and that might've been his only shot of the match. You know, there may have been one before that maybe, but he, he we kind of got lulled to sleep on the edge towards the end of the match he, he, he took us down and wrote us out. And we've got to be, we've got to make it, in my opinion, a, a harder match and give ourselves a little more opportunities because you can't let a guy slow it down and then, and sneak one in on you. Okay. And then I thought that what that happened at 65 and then the same thing happened at 74. Um, I thought amo worked a little harder on his feet. You know what I mean? He was in on a few more shots, but we, we needed to take him down twice in, in regulation to make that our match. You know, you got a guy who's top and, and, you know, that's where he's going to try to win the match by and large. And so we needed to get in uh, a few more attacks and and work harder on our finishes to open that match up and make it come our way. Um, Still though, I guess where I was upset, we talk about him being top uh, Drew Hughes, right? Mm -hmm. Emil was thinking the same thing. So he quit moving his feet and he quit wrestling in, in the OT. So, you know, Hughes takes the shot and sneaks in the takedown. Didn't even need to go to the mat. You know, Emil was probably thinking, well, he's, he's not wanting to shoot because he's going to want to go to the 32nd rideouts." And then we, we fell asleep. We got lulled to sleep there, and he snuck one in on us. So hopefully there are value, valuable lessons learned for both of those young men where we've got to do a better job of creating more pace and creating more action because clearly our guys who did that, you know, were, were successful. And I feel like we'll always be more successful that way because we're in shape and we do want to wrestle hard. You know, we, we are gritty and we're tough. So I think we've just got to do a better job in some of those instances of carrying a little more pace and creating action. Still, still wrestle smart, still got to wrestle smart, but, but um, we've got to find ways to create action, you know, in, in our own style. Um, maybe the only one I haven't talked about here yet. Well, there's two, I guess. Um, I thought, you know, Devin, really wrestled the other kids match. You know what I mean? You know, that we got, yeah. uh, we were in early on a nice takedown, uh, attempt and got really sloppy on the finish and gave up kind of the Merkel for two. And then, uh, we were down for a while where that, it, it kind of hurt the start of the match. And so we've got to be cleaner in getting to our positions. I thought it just, it, it was too much of, um, um, the Michigan State uh, kids match. You know, we wrestled from his positions too much and too often, and we paid for it. So we've got to we've got to be better at it with our game plan and our execution of that game plan. Okay, and I'm confident we can do that. But I think that um, you know, Devin was in this morning, 8 a.m. with us. You know, watching film. We watched film and, and went over some things again. And I think he he'll he'll clear that up as we go. Um, with Thomas, another bummer. You know, a, a, another situation. Yeah. You know, we didn't get hit for back points early this time, but we're up five to three late. And um, we got caught in an upper body situation, you know, defending, and he put us on our back, and that really opened the matchup. You know, I almost felt like in that situation, if he would have turned down when he started to get in trouble, he started to really get his arm collapsed, and you could see he was going to head towards his back. He needed to turn down, fight down. It's 5-5, and then work for the escape, Right but we fought a little too long in the position and, and uh, you know, Caffey's a good kid. He made us pay for it. So um, he's ranked top five in the country for a reason. Right. Right. You know, so there's good and there's bad there. Right. I mean, Thomas is proving that he will be in the, in the match with the very best of anybody. And so we've got to eliminate some of those big um, you know uh, mistakes that we gave up near fall to good kids. That that's a harder deal. You give up for uh, to win those matches. Right. So so a lot of positives, even, even where we lost, like I said, there's some, some positives, but we've got to, we've got to be able to wrestle our match more often where we lost. We, we got caught in their matches too much. Yeah. Um, couple,
2: couple notes kind of through, throughout the duel. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Griffin Perry. We talked about some of his stuff, um, you know, I, I wanted to bring up yesterday, we were watching, we were looking at a little bit of the film in your office while we were waiting for something else. And uh, when we slowed down and broke down his, his first big move where he went to his back, it was, uh, it was pretty incredible. It was, it was a nutty sequence of action that um, that that Griffin wrestled through with just, you know, I mean, you know, you, you hopefully, you hope he was intentional about it, but at the same time, it's like, Man, if he was intentional
1: about it, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, it's um, you know that those are the things, and I I kind of alluded to this a little bit. Like, you know, when when Griffin is uh, you know, just wrestling and flowing, he has he has a, you know, um, great mat awareness. You know, he's a, he's a high IQ, right? He has a high wrestling IQ, and so when he's moving and he's just wrestling and scrambling, he he understands positions and how to take the action where he wants to go. And, um, I thought, you know, the kid kind of ducked in there on, him, right. Was peeking out and ducking and and Griffin just wrestled. He knew he had to get, get his hips through and turn down, but it just so happens that when he came through and started to turn down, the kid went over to his back, you know what I mean? And and he settled. So, um, you know, that's just, it's just, it's just wrestling IQ. I would call it, you know what I mean? Like knowing where you're at, being able to control your body and settle. Like, you know, it was just great awareness by him in, in a, in a funky situation. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, you know, when I saw it live, I, obviously I was
2: a. I was too far away, and B, I, I don't have that level of understanding of wrestling to to see how like he basically, like you said, he caught him in in almost like a cement mixer position, yeah, and and was able, to, like you said, caught him and 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 settled in
1: and 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 nearly got the fall. Yeah. No, it's. And those are the things, you know, you, you work very hard all week, all year for that matter. You're intentional about your training. Right. But when you go out and it's time to compete, you know, the word we always use with the kids, it's gotta be instinctive. You know, you trust the work and you just make it instinctive. Yeah. You still want to make sure you're staying solid in your positions and you know, those little things that are key to you, but man, you just, Hey, it's instinctive. Let it go. React, wrestle. And, uh, and, and I would say that's that's what you were seeing out there with him. He was just reacting to the situation and, um, you know, uh, came out on top in a good spot. Yep. Um, one other thing I thought was interesting to note, uh,
2: while we have wrestled a very limited schedule, uh, Michigan State was the first time on the year that we have uh, been, to, been to overtime in a duel. We had, we had not been to sudden victory yet oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. until the Michigan State duel. Uh, Kendall obviously was first came through with a six, four win over, over a, a really nice uh, young freshman up at Michigan state that Chase Saldate. He's, he's going to be pretty good. He's be good yeah. And yeah, um, he, he's got some skills. Yeah. And uh, I think it was, in, I think it's interesting to mention, you know, we had Dylan Lighty last year who was Mr. Overtime, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, kid went 10 and O last year in overtime, right. which, which is incredible. <laughs> but, uh, you know, lost in that was the fact that that Kendall had a nice little year in overtime as well. K- Kendall was four and one last year and is now five and one on his career. Um, yeah. You know, he uh, when 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 the heat gets on, when it gets tight, he he tends to rise to the occasion, and uh, he
1: definitely did on Friday. Yeah, I I've mentioned this in the past when we we talked about his freshman year. Is I, he shows composure, right? You know, last year he was a freshman, a young guy, wasn't his battle test But no matter what the situation was, no matter how or why he ended up in OT, he 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 was calm, he was composed, and then he would execute. He'd wrestle hard, right? He didn't he didn't have a hard time wrestling hard late. You know, he may be tired, he may have wrestled a really poor match to end up in OT, but he was able to kind of you know bear down, focus on what he had to do, and and take care of business. And and he's been that guy. You know, he's. He's just been that guy since he's been here last year, you know? So, um, you know, you see, it it continues. And then I'm proud of the kids because we are in shape and they have every right to feel good about as we go deeper into the match, it should turn more their direction. Absolutely.
2: Um, You know, those were the overwhelming, you know, you talked about the scramble and Max's match. That was incredible. That was over. That was, I think the clip came out at about a minute and 15 seconds of uh, very high-paced, continuous action between two very, you know, high-level wrestlers at the weight. You know, two two guys who have both been ranked in the top ten in the country at one time or another uh, this season at 184. Um, it's Malcheski, by the way.
0: It is Thank Malchewski. you,
2: Malcheski. Yep. Thank you, Malcheski. I, 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 I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Somebody from, you know, Zach Fisher up at Michigan State. I was talking to him before the duel, and, and Zach said Malcheski, and I was like, Oh, that's how you say that." Interesting. <laughs> But yeah. Um, but yeah, that was uh, like you said. It was a, that was a huge, a huge event in the match that obviously resulted
1: in no points, but had a huge
2: influence in the outcome of the match.
1: Yeah, I mean that, that's why you wrestle every situation because it sends a message and it takes the match in a direction that you you need it to go. I mean, even if you give up the score there. I mean, it could have gone the other way and Max scored. score, but that guy, he has to pay a price to get those points. That's the thing. You, if you're stingy and you make a guy pay a price, it, it's going to come back your way. And you are sending a message about what the tone of the match is going to be. If you just put your head down and you give up the points easy, well, you're sending the other message. So, you know, that's something that, that guys need to understand. Good competitors get it. Like, we're not going to give up easy points and we're going to make the guy work for everything. Absolutely, uh, Corey. You want to talk
0: a little rivalry week? Uh, yeah, let's let's get to it. Maybe uh, if I can figure <laughs> out how to say that,
2: that would
0: probably rivalry week. Rivalry week. It is. Uh, it's tough to say. Yeah, uh, IU comes to town here Monday night. the The, the dual switch from Sunday to Monday and uh, picked up live on the Big Ten Network. So good to get that uh, national TV exposure, uh, even if it does take me off the call, sadly. Um, no. it'll be, it'll be, uh, it'll be a fantastic event. Uh, you guys looking for your 11th straight dual victory, uh, over the Hoosiers and, and just, uh, you know, it's, it's the final duel of the, of the big 10 season, final duel of this 2021 abbreviated campaign. What, uh, what can we expect from the Hoosiers coming in here, uh, Monday night?
1: Well, I mean, listen, it's, it's, as you said, it's the in-state rival, right? So they're going to be juiced. They're going to want to come in and they're going to want to do a good job, right? They're going to want to get after us and, and, and see if they can't turn around a decade of history, right? That's that I'm sure that's what's on their mind and what they want to do. You know, same thing for us. I'm not taking this lightly. You know, we've, you know, we've been uh, competing well, and, and I expect that to continue. Um, And if anything, we need to kind of be working towards that peak that we're going to need at big tens. You know, we've got a long week here. And so honestly, my message is we, we need to have some good volume in terms of training and effort and intensity early this week. We'll, we'll taper down towards the end um, and, and, and get ready for, for the duel, but it's about man um, this time of year, you need to be sharp in terms of understanding what your, your match plan is right. Um, how you're going to execute your shape, how you're making weight. Like I expect those guys to be, to be sharp and prepared and and to go out and get after people and score as many points as they possibly can. Um, you know, as you said, it's, it's, it's kind of a
2: situation where, um, you know, we can, we kind of have to flip the script on the guys a little bit because we, you know, having one 10 in a row, we're, we're the hunted a little bit in this situation. Mm -hmm. Um, but we don't want, obviously we don't want our guys to, to feel that way and, and we want them to go out and be aggressive and, and, and be the hunters and, and go get all those points. But uh, when you face an opponent, who's going to have a chip on their shoulder, uh, like I, you will, and, and the way they're going to approach the match, um,
1: how do you get the guys ready for that? Well, I, I listen, um, you do it all year long. Okay. I mean, that, that's my answer when, when people, when they people ask you how you get ready for the best teams too, right? How do you get ready for an Iowa? How do you get ready for, Penn state, you you get ready for them all year long. You know what I mean? Now there shouldn't be any problems with extra motivation, right? It is, is, it's an in-state school. So motivation shouldn't be a problem. I mean, my goodness, we haven't been able to wrestle a full schedule. So every opportunity to compete should be extremely valued, right? Like to have the excitement and to be thankful for the opportunity to compete, that should not be an issue. Um, But where this is won and lost in my opinion is, is how you approach your year all year long. Like your heart training, your willingness to do more than the other guy for the last several months. And for over the past year, this is where this shows up, right? This is, this is not a, Hey, we turn it on now because it's rivalry week mm-hmm. you know, you don't, you don't do that. Now you, you're ready because all year long, you've worked your tail off. And you've wanted this and here another opportunity is in front of you to be better and to work towards your peak. And now everything you've trained for is, you know, kind of coming to a head. So I don't look at it as you got to turn something on. Um, They should have a huge freaking chip on their shoulder, meaning our guys should have a huge chip on their shoulder about what they're doing and how they're approaching their business. A, because you got an opportunity to compete. Uh, against a team that's in your state, and then B, you're, you're looking to go to Big Tens and, and, and really accomplish some things. So uh, I don't see motivation or that chip that you need to have, that, ed- that edge. Maybe sometimes I caught more of an edge. you got to have an edge to yourself, um, you know, in your mindset. I don't see that uh, – shouldn't be an issue. Better not be. Better, Better not be.
0: <laughs> couple oh. couple uh, matchups to, to look at, 49 uh, Perriot versus Brooks. Uh, yep. Hopefully that one happens. That should that should be a good top twenty matchup. Good chance for for uh, Griffin to see Graham Brooks, who I know he's seen before. And then yep. uh, at seventy four, Amel's got a good opportunity against uh, their talented freshman Danelle Washington, who is yep. uh, having a nice rookie year and and a good chance for Amel to to get another uh, another great match before Big Ten.
1: Yeah, DJ Washington. Um, uh, throw Coach Vega a little shout out, right? Uh, Leroy Vega, who obviously has been with us the last two years, was uh, Portage's uh, finest coach. Yeah, Portage there. So shout out to to Leroy. But uh, no, it's they they they've got some good kids, you know. And you and you've got to be ready, you know. Um, I think 25 could be another instance too, where um, you know I'm not sure who they'll send out. You know, it could be Huggins, it could yeah. be Moran, right? One of those two guys. But but yeah, I, I would look at 25 as another another, uh, quality matchup, uh, in the duel. Yes. Um, one other thing I was going to ask you about, Tony
2: is, you know, we had a nice influx this year, um, of young guys from the state of Indiana. And so sometimes, you know, when guys, when guys come to Purdue, um, specifically from other States, some of them don't fully grasp the Purdue IU rivalry. They, they, you know, they don't, they don't get it. Um, but when you have kids coming from in state, they have, definitely a heightened awareness to it. Um, I guess my question is, is, is do, does having the new guys, um, the new young guys from Indiana, has that, has that stoked the fire
1: at all? Has that, has that, that brought some extra heat? Well, I'm sure for them it does. Right. I mean, they, cause as you said, they are more acutely aware of it, right? Like that's maybe more built in, um, to, to, to them and being raised in the state. But I, I'll tell you this, I don't think it takes very long to be in any of these programs to understand, right, that those, those matches um, are fun to be a part of, right? Like I always enjoyed Iowa, Iowa State. That was that was fun. It was important. And just like I enjoy this now, you know what I mean? I enjoy Purdue IU. It's, 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 it's fun. It's a big deal. You get more people interested, right, and, and what's going on. So we're on TV, it's an in-state, right? Well, it should be a lot of fun. It should, be, it should be important, right? And so you want guys to know that and uh, it, they need to understand that it is, it is gonna mean, you know, something, you know what I mean? It's not just another, you know, um, rung on the ladder. Uh, and, and I'm big on this. I'll, I'll, I'll probably sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but you know, I always say it's important, right? Competing is important. This duel will be important you don't make it special, right? Like you don't make any match special because then you run the risk of, you know, being too conservative or not going out and doing the right things. Right. Cause you're not trying to screw it up. So it's going to be important for us. Uh, it won't be special. You know what I mean? And that's, that's kind of the way I frame it uh, to the guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh,
2: Corey, anything else on uh, the Boilermakers and the Hoosiers?
0: No, I don't think so. Good luck. Uh, good luck Monday night, coach. Did we want to? Did we want to talk about the first round of coaches' rankings that came out? Within the last um, week?
2: we can touch on it briefly. You know, uh, we had seven guys ranked in the first the first set of coaches' rankings, which is you know is I think what we expected. It's a pretty solid number. Um, Devin Schroeder earned, earned a spot at twenty five. Uh, Parker Phileas, forty one. Griffin Perriott was a top 10 guy at 49 uh, as was Kendall Coleman at one, 157 uh, Garrett ninehouse snuck into the, the tail end at 165 which is great you know great for him that he's he's being noticed as a true freshman um, Max Lyon at 184 Thomas Panola at 197 um, yep. you know, Tom's been a funny one for me uh, Guys six and two his only two losses are against two guys that are ranked in the top five. And, uh, and we're both close matches and the guy keeps dropping in the rankings. It's, it, it, it's, it's cracking me up, you know, and, and I totally understand it has nothing to do with Tom. It has more to do with like, there's other upsets in the country and, and, and you know, other people are winning over some highly, highly ranked people. Um, but it's just amusing to me that, you know, he's, he continues to have a breakout season and, and nobody's, nobody's throwing him much respect. And, and, uh, you know, I think it's great. I think he's going to go. I think he's going to go grab it at some point and I don't think he's really worried about it, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun note to, to follow for sure.
1: Yeah. No, you, you can't be too, con- be too concerned with others' opinions. Right. I mean, that's right. always said that, um, the, the, the opinions that that matter are the ones that are in that room every day, right? His teammates who support him and his coaches who are working with him, those, those are the opinions that matter. And as you said, I don't think he's too concerned, um, <laughs> You know, so we'll just keep your head down and you go to work.
2: Yeah. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how those continue to develop. Um, be interesting to see what the NCAA, if the, if they do anything with the, with the allocations, as we, as we continue this uh, the, the March toward March.
1: No
0: doubt. Sneaking up on us. Eight o'clock Monday night, live on the big 10 network, the Boilermakers and the Hoosiers. Uh coach go get number 11 all right appreciate it boys we'll uh, we'll catch y'all next week boiler up